Indian warlord Elizabeth Warren declares war on pregnancy resource centers for their crime of torturing pregnant people. Kamala Harris raises concern about the real issue of American women who are getting pregnant every day. In bigger news yet, the number one baby-killing organization in the world is willing to resort to lying to accomplish political goals. I know. And just deleted from their website the acknowledgement that treating an ectopic pregnancy is not the same as in abortion. And big tech once again covers for big abortion as YouTube promises to crack down on abortion misinformation. As the sacred cow of abortion begins to crumble, the left is left to pick up the political pieces of their regime, which was always built on the mutilated bodies of 63 million babies. Without abortion, the left begins to lose its grip on everything else and resorts to the only thing left, raw political power. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. <laughs> Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Apologies once again for the mobile podcast setup studio as my family and I recently moved to Kansas and will have to build my own studio here, um, but excited to be able to come to you from Kansas recording on everything happening in the abortion wars and in the broader culture wars at such a significant moment in this country with Roe v. Wade getting overturned, states banning abortion. And I think we're starting to see what watchmen and careful conservative and Christian thinkers have acknowledged for a long time, which is that abortion really always was the sacred cow of secular progressivism. It was it was the centerpiece almost of this entire liberal establishment and political regime of leftism. And nothing quite so epitomizes and represents that alternative political philosophy of leftism or secular humanism than abortion. And so I, I felt very burdened to address some of these issues in the last month with you and try to tie a thread through it all and explain to you how telling this is about the state of the union, about the state of leftism, about what these people really care about and how much they hate and despise you. And I think each of the pieces of these recent news events are going to kind of represent that. So having said that, Thank you for tuning in today. If you haven't listened to the show before or you have and you've enjoyed it, but you haven't left a rating and review, would you do that for us? We're continuing to climb up the charts. We've recently and regularly been appearing in the top 100 for the news commentary category, uh, which would be the only pro-life podcast uh, I've seen in that top 100 of news commentary. And we're very appreciative of you tuning in, helping us grow. Uh, people have gotten engaged with sidewalk counseling and have saved babies because they've, they've listened to this podcast. And when you do that, it drives it up the ratings and more people see it. So Elizabeth Warren recently just said that pregnancy resource centers uh, torture pregnant people 
Yes, they torture pregnant people, and they need to be shut down. Uh, Liawatha, Focahontas, Elizabeth Warren, who pretended to be an Indian for decades on all of her academic paperwork and profiles at universities <laughs> to pander to intersectionality and, and get favors that she knows she can only get if she's a minority. So, you know, so much for the lies of... Um, systemic oppression for people of color. She's spent her whole life pretending to uh, associate with POC, they call them people, people of color, in order to be treated better. Well, that, that old ancient Aztec Indian warlord with the rage of a thousand suns in her eyes is very upset <laughs> that more children are going to live. And you remember we covered the clip of her when the leak came out with Roe v. Wade walking outside of the Supreme Court saying, I'm angry, I'm so angry, but I'm determined, I'm doubling down. And it was interesting sight to see what happens to these elitist, Democrat, establishment abortophiles when their sacrament of abortion begins to become Compromise, And so I want to dive into this, but I want to play the clip for you first um, of her responding, I believe, to the prospected overturning of Roe versus Wade. Massachusetts right now, those crisis pregnancy centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination help outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. We need to shut them down here in Massachusetts and we need to shut them down all around the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that. Well, there you have it. <laughs> she says that, that these pregnancy resource centers are torturing pregnant people. Now, notice she doesn't say the word woman. She doesn't say pregnant women. She doesn't say mothers. She says pregnant people. Once again, a hat tip to the religion of transgenderism, which maintains that men can become pregnant. Therefore, she has to call them pregnant people and not just women. Uh, so just before we dive into any of this, once again, don't trust anyone who says pregnant people okay, or birthing persons immediately write anyone off like that and assume that they will lie to you about everything else. Just make that assumption on the face of it, okay? If, if they're going to believe there are more than two genders and that men who don't have birth canals, but I guess give birth through their penis, I'm not really sure. Anyone who believes that, okay, will lie to you about everything else. And so as we start talking about YouTube and Google and Elizabeth Warren and their concerns regarding misinformation, right? Just know that, that they don't give two bleeps about misinformation. Their entire political regime is built on misinformation, that some humans aren't persons, the baby's not really a baby, men can be women, women can be men, and men can get pregnant. Uh, just, just ignore everything else they say, okay? And know that the majority of Americans are not on board with this, which is, I think, part of why these elitists are so afraid that the sacred cow of abortion has been compromised because they know most of the public is not on board with this. And so it's only a matter of time in their minds that they'll be able to keep their hands on the reins of political power, which is why the last option left to them is just the exercise of raw political power. An important thing to remember 
as we talk about all of this together. But don't let these people ever tell you again that they're pro-choice. Don't let them use the word pro-choice ever again. They're not interested in giving women choices. They're interested about one choice, and that choice is abortion. By the way, if you're a pregnant woman or you know someone who's pregnant and you're contemplating abortion or you know someone who has, hey, listen, try going to Planned Parenthood and informing them that you're there to exercise your right to choose life for your baby and ask what support they'll be providing for you as you plan your parenthood. And when they show you the door, Go find a pregnancy resource center that will care for baby and mom both before and after birth, which is literally what these pregnancy resource centers exist to do. By the way, by the way, Elizabeth Liawatha Focahontas Aztec warrior goddess Warren does get it right when she says that pregnancy resource centers outnumber abortion clinics two or three to one. That's true. And not only are their services nearly all free, but they provide free ultrasounds, free STD and STI testing, abortion alternatives, parenting classes, childbirth classes, labor coaching, lactation consultation, nutrition consulting, social work, skill building courses, baby clothes, diapers, and in many instances, even free housing. Oh, yeah. And they don't get a dime from the government. That are Those are the wonderful people that Elizabeth Warren is talking about when she says they torture pregnant people. And and what does she say? She says that they fool people looking to terminate a pregnancy. They fool them and then they torture them. It is fascinating. My mother was the director of a pregnancy resource center in the late 80s and early 90s up until I was born. I've been keynoting pregnancy resource center banquets to help them fundraise since 2014. Like, what is that? Eight years? Eight years? Uh, And I've never heard of this. Isn't that fascinating? I, I Man, I just must be an ignorant ass. I've totally missed this, Liawatha. I, I, or or her head is so far up her own rectum it's coming out her face again. She doesn't care about the truth. She hates you as much as she hates the unborn because both the unborn child and those who stand against killing unborn children compromise her political power. So let me tell you this. As someone who is very involved and familiar with pregnancy resource centers, she calls them crisis pregnancy centers, which shows how out of touch she is. No, nobody's called them crisis pregnancy centers in decades. I get emails and texts and stories all the time from pregnancy resource centers asking for prayer for a woman contemplating abortion. She's unsure of what she'll do. Um, the PRC follows up. They inquire how she's doing. They ask how they can help, if at all. And then they pray and wait because they can't force her to come back into the center. Right. And so the, this whole idea of torturing pregnant people, incredibly strange um, and something that, you know, Elizabeth Warren has just made up out of her own head in order to bash her political opponents. So does that sound like torturing a pregnant woman? No, of course not. And and so, by the way, this is not just rhetoric. This is actually proposed policy now. OK, so we actually need to take this very seriously. These people hate pregnancy resource centers. And of course, Elizabeth Warren has said nothing about condemning the was it over 50 or 60 pregnancy resource centers that were physically attacked, defaced or firebombed by radical leftists after the leak of Roe v. Wade and the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And so she's actually doubling down on this on June 23rd. Elizabeth Warren Uh, Senator of Massachusetts, Congresswoman Carol B. Maloney from New York, and Suzanne Bonamici of Oregon, and Senator Bob uh, Menendez of New Jersey introduced what they're calling the Stop Anti-Abortion Disinformation Act. Stop Anti-Abortion Disinformation Act to crack down on false advertising that crisis pregnancy centers employ to dissuade patients from getting the reproductive care they need. Uh, There's no such thing as reproductive care if you're referring to abortion because abortion kills a human being that's already been reproduced. Therefore, it 
can't be called reproductive. Anyways, the euphemisms of demons. This bill directs the Federal Trade Commission to issue rules to prohibit deceptive or misleading advertising related to the provision of abortion services. The bill also authorizes the Federal Trade Commission to enforce these rules and collect penalties from organ um, from organizations that stand in violation. So, I mean, this is a huge uh, prop- proposed um, version of state power and political power against political dissidents. And Elizabeth Warren says, with a far-right Supreme Court poised to overturn Roe, this was the day before, it's important. It's more important than ever to crack down on so-called crisis pregnancy centers that mislead women about reproductive health care. I'm working in the Senate to stop these deceptive practices and ensure every American can access the abortion care they need. Um, so just a quick question for you to think about and pose to your kooky pro-abortion friends do you think do you think indian warlord warren will be proposing legislation to issue rules prohibiting deceptive and misleading advertising from the abortion centers of america when they tell women that there is zero correlation between an abortion and future negative outcomes such as the long-established links between abortion and mental health, preterm labor and subsequent pregnancies, and breast cancer. And if you want to get a very info-packed, statistically-based conversation on that, go back to our recent episode with Dr. Brent Bowles. I think it was called Proof That Abortion is Linked to Mental Health, Preterm Labor, and Breast Cancer. And the what you're going to learn is that the left resorts to confirmation bias and simply looks at the studies that uh, that confirm their priors and siphon off the majority of studies that don't confirm their priors. And then they run with the minority wing and cases of studies that affirm what they wanted to be called science. And they run with that as the gospel truth and the mainstream media parrots their lives. Okay. Anyways, is Elizabeth Warren going to be proposing any legislation to stop misinformation coming from abortion centers and abortionists and their staff who tell women that that, that there is zero chance of them increasing their likelihood of breast cancer, future mental health, or preterm labor and subsequent pregnancies or fertility issues? Uh, No, something tells me she's not going to be doing that. Oh, and how about the abortion centers and the abortion industries lies when they say that the abortion pill reversal is highly dangerous. Oh, and that RU486, the abortion pill, is incredibly safe, right? You had the Planned Parenthood president, Cecile Richards, a few years ago in a Los Angeles Times opinion editorial who said that the abortion pill is safer than Tylenol, okay? And the abortion industry has repeated this lie many times since. Is Elizabeth Warren going to be offering legislation to crack down on the abortion industry for those lies? to women by by not giving them informed consent because they refuse to give them the true information and details regarding the abortion pill? No, of course not. And let's, let, let me give you the quick overview of that, by the way. If you're new to the show, we've covered this in depth before. One of the requirements that the FDA imposed when they approved the RU486 abortion pill in 2000 was that Danko, the manufacturer, and that any future manufacturers report to the FDA any adverse events, even mild ones. But the manufacturer is dependent 
on getting a report from the abortion provider that there was a complication. So how many abortion providers are compliant with that? Well, we don't know because no state is allowed to go in and audit records or inspect clinics. And every time you try as a state legislature to impose accountability on the abortion industry, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood trotted out to a friendly judge in the federal court and get it blocked. So the abortion clinic, as far as information goes, is a great big black hole. We don't know what goes on inside. But despite these limitations, a study was undertaken by the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, or APLOG, and we've had the president of the board, I believe, on the show before, Christina Francis, and APLOG requested the adverse event reports regarding Mifepristone, the first regimen of the abortion pill, from the FDA, and the FDA gave APLOG 6,158 pages of adverse event reports. Duplicate records and reports from outside the United States or reports of data previously published were excluded, and this left 3,197 reports, of which 537 had insufficient data for meaningful analysis. So of the 2,660 remaining reports, a standardized system was used to analyze the seriousness of the complications by a panel of physicians who agreed to review these records. 2,243 out of 2,660 women required surgery to treat complications of the abortion pill. And more than 60% of those were done by MDs other than the ones who provided abortion services. Let me say that again. 2,243 out of 2,660 women required surgery to treat complications from the abortion pill, and more than 60 of those were done by medical doctors other than the ones who provided the abortion services. So nearly two-thirds of the women whose reported complications required surgery had to seek care outside of the abortion clinic, meaning the abortion clinic and the abortionist were not aware of what had happened and therefore had no adverse event reports to give to the FDA in the first place. That means that two-thirds of the moderate and severe complications that happen that require surgery, the women are not getting the care from the abortion provider. Those adverse events were not reported to Danko by the abortion provider. So we don't even have the statistical standing, or the left rather doesn't have the statistical standing to stand on to be able to claim that the abortion pill is incredibly safe. But we have reason to believe it's actually incredibly dangerous. Where's Elizabeth Liawatha now? Where, where, why isn't she filing? Why isn't she proposing legislation and sponsoring a bill to crack down on the abortion industry for their misinformation and in, in harming informed consent, the most important medical uh, standard in medicine today? No, she doesn't give two bleeps about that. And lastly, in Finland more socialized medicine and a centralized record system. They've done studies on the abortion pill that shows that medication abortion, RU-46, the abortion pill, is four times more likely to have an adverse event than a surgical abortion. Finland's study of the data comparing medical to surgical, almost 50,000 women were evaluated, and that's where they get the fourfold increase in complications from medical versus surgical. Um, and, and so... The abortion industry should at least be telling women that they have a four t times increased chance of complications from medication abortion than from surgical abortion. But of course, none of that is being told to women because these people don't care about misinformation. They don't care about women's health. They care about power and they care about orgasms without responsibility. And if they have to kill the baby that was conceived from their sexual decision, so be it. Lastly, as we wrap up on Elizabeth Warren here, on May 9th, 2022... Elizabeth Warren responded to the Dobbs leak. Okay, remember when she was saying, I'm angry, I'm angry, but I'm determined. Um, and I just want to 
I want to give you an insight into how wicked this woman is. I, I mean, I, I, I really believe that there's a dark spirit behind this, that there's a demonic spirit behind this. Uh, it, it, it's, it's almost as if all of the old Indian child sacrifice gods live inside Warren. And sometimes some of that fire and rage pours out of her eyes and lips. And you can't help but wonder whether this was always just a spiritual war. Some of the things she says are so wicked and so evil, but it's done so with the veneer of compassion. It's done so with uh, masquerading as an angel of light, if you will. And she said on May 9th, she said, if abortion is outlawed, the impact won't fall equally on everyone. Wealthy women will still get safe legal abortions by flying to another state or even traveling to another country. But the world will be very different for those who have the least power. Low-income women, young women, women of color, victims of incest and abuse, moms already working two jobs to support their children. So notice, essentially, what Elizabeth Warren is saying, if we're going to translate that, is that we can't have the poorer and the darker skin people reproducing too much. Oh, the the rich white women, they can do whatever they want. But but the poorer people and the darker of skin people, ah, we really don't want them reproducing too much. This is going to fall hardest on them because they need abortion the most. And it's a real tragedy that they won't be able to access it as easily and that we're going to have more poor children and, and more sort of darker skinned children born in America. To Elizabeth Warren, that's a really bad thing. I mean, get behind me, Margaret Sanger, right? Get behind me, Population Council. Get behind me, Hitler, right? This is all in the long historical trend of eugenics, right? This belief that there are some class of humans we don't want reproducing to much, right? There are good people and bad people. We want the good people to reproduce and we don't want the the bad people to reproduce as much. And the bad people and those whose population we want to control tend to be poorer and tend to be darker of skin. And then, of course, with Margaret Sanger, tend to be mentally and physically defective. Something's not correct perfectly with them. I mean, that is really nasty when you realize what she's saying. The, The fact that poor women and darker skin women who tend to kill their children more, won't be able to kill their children as much is a real tragedy. Um, pretty wicked. Um, anyways, so that's that's Elizabeth Warren, and I and we're gonna move to Kamala Harris now, but I just I just want you to notice how insane these people are and how how fearful they are with the future of the country. Because if they don't have abortion, they really don't have anything else. It's what kind of undergirds their entire political project. And let me prove it to you. When Roe v. Wade got overturned, when it was announced, one of the number one um, conversations and headlines from the activist media and the leftist activists was something like this. If they can overturn abortion, which is which is a constitutional privacy, it's a privacy right, the next thing we know, um, they're going to be coming for Obergefell, right, which said found a constitutional right to uh, sodomy marriage, to gay marriage. Uh, they're going to be coming for that. They're going to be coming for the constitutional right to contraception. Of course, none of these things are in the Constitution, right? They 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 said that this was substantive due process. That that uh, that it was in the penumbras and the emanations. It, it it comes off of other rights that are in the Constitution, and they could never really explain how the Constitution defended a right to abortion or defended the right to gay marriage. 
really. You think James Madison had butt sex in mind and he wanted men to be married to each other when he wrote the cut. So, so, but the, 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 they're freaking out saying if they, if the, if the right can overturn abortion and overturn Roe, they're going to be coming for everything else to which I like to say, damn right. <laughs> right. But, but, but listen, no, but listen to the, to the interesting, um, reality that that reaction represents. They're telling you that if they don't have abortion, everything else that they've labeled a right might not exist in the long run either. That's a powerful admission, and it should remind you that for the left, abortion is their centerpiece, their sacrament. It's the hinge upon which their entire political project swings. Very important. So Kamala Harris, and this is more recent, recently just uh, mourned over the fact that more women are getting pregnant every day, actually, in America. My gosh. Um, And she literally said women are getting pregnant every day in America. And this is a real issue. This is a real issue. So just like Liawatha Focahontas, we'll go ahead and play Kamala Harris here. To put it in law, there may be litigation, but we will be in a much better position than um, than to not do that. And, you know, listen, women are getting pregnant every day in America, and this is a real issue, and we need to act with a sense of haste about what is at play, what is at stake, and codifying Roe will be an important um, moment in terms of putting back in place protections for for the folks who are at risk right now because of what the court did in Dobbs just weeks ago. So there you go. Wake up. Did you hear me? All they have left is the exercise of raw political power. She says we need to codify Roe. We need to ignore the Supreme Court that just said that the laws we made regarding abortion were never legitimate. There was no federal constitutional right to abortion. We're just going to ignore that, exercise raw political power, shove this through. And if we need to, eh, we'll just get rid of the filibuster so we can get what we really want. That's all they have left. And but but the interesting line here and the one that we need to talk about is when Kamala Harris literally says women are getting pregnant every day in America and this is a real issue. Uh, And of course, you can tell by the way she's saying it that this is a sad thing. This is a bad thing. This is a scary thing. It's not a wonderful thing. It's not a beautiful thing. In fact, you and I probably would agree that it may not actually be the best thing just in this in the sense that a lot of those women getting pregnant are not married to the man who impregnated them and don't have any intentions of marrying him and raising that child together. And so you're intentionally depriving a child of their right to their mother and father, but the celebration of new life and new human beings in our posterity as America has been under replacement rates in terms of our birth rate for years, that doesn't generate excitement in Kamala Harris. That generates fear. That generates sorrow. Why is that? I think, I think the answer is this. Let me give it in one sentence, and then let's, let's dive into maybe – premises and ideas that Kamala Harris is not even aware that she's operating off of. Most women who choose life and embrace motherhood are glad they didn't kill their baby. (laughs) that's That's your hot take. Most women who choose life don't kill their baby and embrace motherhood for the child they're already a mother to 
end up being glad that they did not kill their baby in the womb. I know it. I know it's wild. I know it's super crazy. It's very sciency. There's this thing called biology. There's this thing called a maternal instinct. And when you hold the baby that your body has been protecting and caring for for nine months, you actually love that child. I know it's totally wild. I don't expect Kamala Harris to understand that, but um. There is data on this as well, and so I actually want to dive into this because I think it's going to expose the more wicked agenda behind people like Kamala Harris and the great fear of a America wherein children are cherished and motherhood and fatherhood are embraced. Okay, that that's a very scary reality to the secular progressive movement, and we're going to talk about why. But firstly. There is this cohort study called the Turnaway Study um, that, that acknowledged what I just told you, but refused to include it in the published version of their study. And so my point is this. The other side knows that most women don't regret not getting an abortion. So this Turnaway Cohort examined women who wanted an abortion but were denied one to allegedly prove that women do much worse economically, psychologically, emotionally, etc., than women who got the abortion they wanted. But the Turnaway study is highly problematic in that only 37% of the women approached agreed to participate. Only 30% of, 37% of the women approached to participate in the study agreed to participate, and 44% of that 37% dropped out. So the conclusions of the Turnaway study are based on the participation of only 17% of the women the study leaders needed for their work. And five out of seven of the studies used today to conclude that there is no association between abortion and mental health issues were derived from this deficient cohort, okay? But here was the interesting piece of data that the Turnaway cohort refused to put into, okay, their published findings. Oh, and by the way, guess who the Turnaway cohort and study was organized and funded by? Uh, It goes back to... An abortionist, Daniel Grossman of UCSF and the Bixby Center for Reproductive Health, uh, him him being one of the uh, most celebrated late-term abortionists in the country, Daniel Grossman, who trains late-term abortionists in San Francisco. So obviously conflict of interest, but listen to this. Of the people they were able to interview who did not who did not receive the abortion they wanted, when they interviewed those women five years later, after having tried to obtain an abortion and failing, 95% of them were glad they didn't get the abortion they wanted. So let me say that again. Of the people they were able to interview, those who did not get the abortion that they wanted, meaning they gave birth to the baby, <laughs> when they were interviewed five years later, 95% of them were glad they did not get the abortion they wanted. So listen, the left knows that most women who give birth to their child will embrace motherhood, and most women who embrace motherhood will not later wish they had killed their kid. <laughs> right? Obviously, this is axiomatic. And by the way, there was a 2012 study by psychologists from UC Riverside, Stanford, and the University of British Columbia that found that parents experience greater happiness and meaning in life than non-parents. I talked about this on an old episode called uh, Pro-Choice Men Are Men Without Chests. 
And this study is incredible because it's a rare example of the academics acknowledging statistically what we all know to be true experientially and at the gut level, that parents experience greater happiness and meaning in life than non-parents. This is a fundamental fact of humanity. The left knows this. They know that men and women will be happier if they don't kill their kids, that they'll want to pour into their children and take care of them and therefore not be as susceptible to fall for the lies of the secular moral revolution. But we can't have that, right? This is a real issue, says Kamala Harris, because it upsets the radical feminist notion that women are only equal to men to the degree that they shirk the homemaking, child-rearing call and climb the corporate ladder, crushing babies on their way if need be. It's been said that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. However, the left believes that the hand that robs the cradle rules the world. Do you understand? Do you understand what I mean? They don't believe that motherhood is this beautiful, high, natural calling that ought to be embraced. They believe that robbing the cradle, murdering the baby, taking that life is is powerful. And that's how women will rule the world. In fact, these women can only be equal with men and exercise the same degree of power that they believe men do if they kill their own children, if they sacrifice their offspring. It's this belief that women can only achieve their quote-unquote gender equality with men if they can kill the babies that they procreate. And by the way, the pontiffs of progressivism, I call them, the pontiffs of progressivism, the high priests of liberalism— have admitted this as well. This is not me sort of pontificating, okay? This is not me casting aspersions or or um, applying motivations to those that I don't know. I'm telling you that this is what they have told us. Okay, Lawrence Later or Larry Later, he's been called the father of the sexual revolution and the father of abortion and worked on Betty Friedan for years to put abortion into the National Organization for Women's Political Platform because Betty Friedan was not for abortion for years. You need to go listen to my episode with Sue Ellen Browder and her book, on how the sexual revolution co-opted the women's movement to become one and the same. You need to know the history of that. But Lawrence later was a abortion devotee whose goal in life was Roe versus Wade, was to legalize abortion at the federal level. And he said in his book called Abortion in 1966, he said the complete legalization of abortion is the one just and inevitable answer to the quest for feminine freedom. Listen to this. The complete legalization of abortion is the one just and inevitable answer to what? The quest for feminine freedom. You see, women can't be free if they don't have the right to kill their kids. Do you see what I mean? This is coming from the horse's mouth. And of course, Lawrence Slater's book, Abortion, ended up being cited as an authoritative source in the Roe v.ersus Wade decision by the Supreme Court justices, despite the fact that that book was based on lies that he pulled out of thin air. And then Helen Gurley Brown, okay, the author of Sex and the Single Girl and the editor-in-chief of The Cosmopolitan, which was basically the Sex and the City 
uh, uh, in a written form for the 60s, okay? Helen Gurley Brown, a a sexual revolutionary sort of activist who interestingly enough didn't didn't uh buy the didn't buy the crap she was selling. She remained married to one man and said he'd cut his balls off if he ever cheated on her while he while she was soft selling sex and um extramarital affairs and making millions doing it in Cosmopolitan, she claimed that what held women back from success in the corporation was, here's what she said, quote, the built-in mechanism in their bodies that allows them to have babies. Okay. <laughs> what held women back, the reason they weren't free, the reason they weren't as powerful as men was this built-in mechanism in their bodies that allows them to have babies. That's from one of the revolutionaries of the sexual revolution in the 60s. It's, they're telling us that, uh, that it, without this basic right, quote-unquote, women can't be free, abortion on demand, and without apology. If they don't have abortion, they don't believe they're anything at all. When someone tells you who they are, you should believe them. Okay, so here's their thinking. Let, let me summarize this, okay? Because this all comes from Kamala Harris's one comment, right? That women are getting pregnant every day in America, and this is a real issue. Here's their thinking. If women can't kill their babies through abortion and are forced to give birth, they'll fall in love with that baby. They won't want to give the baby up for adoption. They'll choose to raise that child and therefore become more focused on the health of their posterity than the secular moral revolution and the murdered baby blood, which fuels it. The secular secular moral revolution is fueled with the blood of 63 million children. Make no mistake about it. It's the hinge upon which secular humanism swings. It's the linchpin. It's the sacrament. It's the sacred cow. Do you understand? Does this make sense now? Why Elizabeth Warren has the fire of a thousand suns burning behind her eyes. Sun gods, probably, that demand human sacrifice. Why Kamala Harris is so worried about women giving birth and getting pregnant every day in America. Now, lest you call me hyperbolic or a conspiracy theorist, let me cite to you one other secular moral revolutionary, one of the most celebrated feminist extremists of the 20th century. Her name is Simone de Beauvoir. Now, Simone de Beauvoir, a French feminist in the mid-1900s, once had an interaction with Betty Friedan, who wrote the feminist Mystique, who was essentially the mastermind behind inspiring second-wave feminism, or perhaps first-wave feminism, that didn't want bra-burning, that didn't want abortions, but wanted equality in the law, voting rights, not getting fired because you were pregnant, as Betty Friedan actually was. Her heart was not for abortion. It was for the kind of feminism that you and I would be on board with. Okay, but like I said, Larry Later and other secular moral revolutionaries worked on her for years to make abortion a central commitment of the National Organization for Women, which Betty Friedan had founded. Anyways, Betty Friedan and Simone de Beauvoir were having this interaction regarding feminism, and Betty Friedan made the case that women should be able to choose between staying home and being a mother and raising their children and going into the workforce. They should be able to choose that because that's central to the integrity of women, of respecting their desires and wishes, okay? And how does Simone de Beauvoir respond to Betty Friedan's 
comment. She said, no woman should be authorized to stay at home to raise her children. Society should be totally different. Women should not have that choice. Precisely because if there is such a choice, too many women will make that one. Whoa. Okay, let's start with a very basic question. Why would one of the most radical feminists of the 20th century be so convinced that most women would rather choose motherhood than corporate success? That's what she's saying. Women should not be allowed to choose, so much for pro-choice, motherhood and staying at home to raise their children because if they're given that choice, most women will take it. And that's a problem to the feminist extremist revolutionaries who believe that the quest for feminine freedom must be built on the mutilated bodies of their own babies. Why would one of the most radical feminists of the 20th century become so convinced that most women would rather choose motherhood than corporate success? Could it be because that's natural? (gasps) Could it be that there is a natural order? That there are universal and eternal longings and desires that humans have without ever having to think twice about them? Could it be that there is a natural law and longings that there is maybe perhaps also a logos behind that natural order? Perhaps a god? And the world that he created works best when humans align their lives within that larger order? Could that be the answer? (laughs) I think Simone de Beauvoir and so many of the secular abortion revolutionaries know at a gut level that there is a God and they are not them and that most people want to have children and raise them and love them, that most people desire more than an annual increase in their salary and their bonuses and their and their status. <laughs> I, I think most of these people know that that is not the number one priority of most Americans. And if they're allowed to prioritize their family, they will. And when they do, our entire political regime begins to crumble. I think Kamala Harris at a very deep level is fearful that in a post-Roe versus Wade society and the future in which we ban abortion at the federal level, that as more babies are born and more mothers hold the children that they would have killed, they will fall in love with those babies, choose to raise those babies, and begin to prioritize the family over the workplace. And so they're going to begin bleeding would-be allies of the secular moral revolution who they need to justify their own existence and accomplish their political goals. And if that many millions of women begin to prioritize the family and the children learn that they could have been aborted but weren't because the law stepped in and protected them and their parents embraced them and raised them, that the entire social fabric might begin to shift as well around the family around children, and around sacrificing your desires to protect children's rights. There is a natural order. 
there is a natural law and there is a logos behind that natural order. And at the end of the day, isn't that what this is all about? Wasn't the culture war always just a proxy war for the spiritual war? Wasn't abortion just the ultimate proxy war against Christ himself? Do do you see now? Eternity is written on the heart of man. And these political battles are a, a veil that the enemy uses to to hide the true spiritual battle from your eyes. And if the church wakes up and sees this for what it is, we can give Kamala Harris the nightmares that she deserves, which is being a happy mother and raising your own babies, not paying someone else to do it, embracing the family. And that's how we take back the country. It reminds me of uh, when former Governor Mitch Daniel, Indiana Governor Mitch Daniels was asked, um, how do we beat the libs? Uh, and he said, well, you can either outfox them, right? outmaneuver them, outthink them in politics, which is difficult because they're pretty clever, or you can outbreed them. And I would recommend the latter because the latter is more fun. <laughs> and there's sort of this dark thought I want to leave you with as we wrap up Kamala Harris. Um, the left might quite literally abort themselves into oblivion. I know that that's a very dark thought, and I don't want that because I want those babies protected, but seeing their frenzied, uh, legion-like rending of garments and screaming over more babies being alive, I don't think they're going to abandon this high sacrament anytime soon. And so I think the left might quite literally abort themselves into oblivion. And if we have lots and lots of babies, love them and prioritize the family, we win. There are more of us than there are of them. So Planned Parenthood um, just got caught removing a section on their website that acknowledged that the treatment of ectopic pregnancy is different than the treatment of abortion. This is fascinating, absolutely fascinating, because the mainstream activist media has been running with this line and lie right now that because Roe v. Wade gets overturned in states where abortion is now illegal, women won't be even able to get treatment for their tubal pregnancy and their fallopian tube will burst and they'll die thanks to those pro-lifers. It's like such a lie. Like Women were getting treatment for ectopic pregnancies prior to 1973 in states where abortion was illegal. It's a different procedure. It's a different surgery. It's either a salpingectomy or a salpingostomy to remove the baby in the fallopian tube. And in an abortion, it's called an abortion. It's called a D&E, a D&C, because it has a different surgical procedural name because the intention is different. The intention in every abortion is to kill the baby. The intention in a ectopic pregnancy is to save the life of the mother. So the death of the baby is a foreseen but unintended consequence because if you don't do anything, you lose two lives. So it's better to act to save one life than refuse to act and lose two lives. They're fundamentally different. Planned Parenthood knows this, and they just scratch the line from their website admitting this because they don't want the right and the pro-life movement pointing to their own words to discredit the arguments that they like that the activist media is making because it creates hysteria and fear around pro-life laws and support for Planned Parenthood. Hot take. You like that? That's exactly what's happening. So what did Planned Parenthood purge? The sentence they purged from their website said, treating an ectopic pregnancy 
isn't the same thing as getting an abortion. I mean, you couldn't be more clear. Of course, they delete that line. According to Live Action News, Planned Parenthood has responded to the news that they scrubbed their website of information regarding the difference between treating ectopic pregnancy and the committing of an abortion. In a statement, Adrian Verrilli, Vice President of Communications and Culture at Planned Parenthood, told The Hill that the language change was due to the pro-life movement, who said, who she said would twist their language for nefarious purposes. Oh, yeah, totally. We're totally going to twist your language by quoting you, you, you freaking evil hacks. And it's like this. And this is actually a very common left wing strategy. You need to understand this. This is why um, they hate libs of TikTok so much. Libs of TikTok will literally just quote, copy and paste videos of kooky groomers talking about their grooming activity on minors that, that they say they're teachers of. And then everyone is and then and then the left doxes the person who runs libs of TikTok and, and tries to get them completely banned off of off of the platforms. But they're not they're not twisting any words. They're literally just showing you what the left is saying themselves. It's the same thing. The vice president of communications and culture at Planned Parenthood. We had to, we had to get rid of the line saying treating an ectopic pregnancy is not the same thing as getting an abortion because the pro-lifers will twist our language for their nefarious purposes. Okay, if freaking quoting you is twisting your words, that tells me everything I need to know about you, which is that you know you're killing babies and you know you're lying. You just don't want people who live in reality to quote you when you sometimes acknowledge reality so that more Americans might live in reality and reject your fantasies, <laughs> right? Um, it continues, Planned Parenthood believes that everyone should have access to medically accurate information to help them make informed decisions about their health care and their lives without judgment, she said. That is why we regularly update the health information on our website. Anti-abortion politicians, on the other hand, routinely misrepresent language around ectopic preg pregnancy to serve their own agenda. That's literally what you do. You misrepresent ectopic pregnancy to serve your own agenda. It, this is another thing the left always says. They accuse their political opponents of, of, of that which they are actually guilty of. Our webpage on ectopic pregnancy was updated to retain factual information about ectopic pregnancy while also ensuring that the information could not be twisted or misrepresented by anti-abortion politicians. Ooh, scary. The, 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 the bottom line is this. Planned Parenthood in the abortion industry knows that removing a baby in the fallopian tube in an ectopic pregnancy is not the same thing as abortion, but they like that everyone thinks it is because it creates hysteria and fear, and it gives them an easy political cudgel to hit pro-lifers over the head to make it seem like we're unnecessarily killing women who could have otherwise been saved if we would just all become pro-aborts. The opposite is actually true, but once again, those who kill babies will have no moral qualms with lying. And lastly, uh, on this episode today, we have to talk about this this new um, commitment from YouTube promising to not allow abortion misinformation on its platform. Now, pause. Before we get to that, remember, YouTube is owned by Google, okay? And last year, I covered this in the podcast at the time, Google and Facebook removed all ads on the abortion pill reversal. What is the abortion pill reversal? It's just progesterone. It's just a natural hormone called progesterone, which, by the way, the abortion industry has even been using in birth control pills and, like, infertility treatments and such for years. Totally safe, totally natural hormone. But they have to smear it as this dangerous medication because they know that if the broader public learns that after they take the first regimen of the abortion pill, they can get a reversal – and save that child's life in at least 60% of cases, 
they won't be able to sell as many abortions, more babies will live, and therefore what? More mothers will say that they don't regret choosing life and are very happy they didn't go through with the abortion. There you go, right back to the family and more women celebrating motherhood of the children that they didn't kill or almost killed but didn't thanks to the pro-life movement. The left can have none of that, right? So remember, last year, Google removed all ads on the abortion pill reversal. You are not allowed as a pro-life organization or an individual in the United States of America to, to, to spend ad spend, to use ad spend money to boost ads and content so women know that if they have the first regimen of the abortion pill, mifepristone, and they regret it and want to keep the baby, that they can do so if they quickly get on progesterone, on the abortion pill reversal. You're not allowed to do that on Google or Facebook. And this was because of this Daily Beast piece in September. A Google spokesperson said the company does not allow ads that promote harmful health claims, including those for abortion pill reversal. After reviewing a copy of a report from the Center for Countering Digital Hate provided by the Daily Beast, Google said it had removed all of the ads mentioned. So the, the way that this happened when Google did this, is remember, Google owns YouTube. Google was given a report from the Center for Countering Digital Hate. That report was handed to them by the Daily Beast. And I believe the woman who wrote this named Emily Schuberman, disgusting woman who, who did this in order to kill more babies and prevent more women from exercising their right to choose to change their mind and choose life. And because of this report, Google said they had removed all of the ads. Okay, so this is very significant in this age of misinformation and disinformation and malinformation. Uh, just so you understand once again, these people, motivations and agenda, they don't care about the truth. They don't care about the science. They don't care about the information. They care about the exercise of raw political power. So what was in this report, this, this report from the Center for Countering Digital Hate that the Daily Beast gave to Google, after which Google read it and said, no more abortion pill reversal ads on Google. Wow, what was in this report? Um, well, it was relying solely on one study by Mitchell Creenan an abortionist in 2019, which they said, quote, was suddenly halted when several participants experienced dangerous hemorrhaging that sent them to the hospital. Oh, my goodness. So they had to put a stop to the study because so many people, women were bleeding out. Wow, that abortion pill reversal progesterone must be really dangerous, huh? No, of course not. It was all BS. Here's what happened. The only women in, the, in their study who went to the emergency room for bleeding were the, woman who, were the women who took mifepristone but did not get the progesterone. Yeah, let me repeat that again. The only women who went to the hospital for hemorrhaging were the women who did not did not take the very reversal pill that they're saying is so dangerous. Every woman in the study who got progesterone, over 80% of them, still had living babies and no bleeding. The Creenan study <clears throat> that attempted to prove that reversal does not work and is dangerous speculated that using only Mifeprex and then not using the misoprostol would put women at greater risk of hemorrhage. And they have used this speculation in court against states like Tennessee that have attempted <clears throat> to mandate that information about reversal be included in the informed consent process. 
But the study showed the exact opposite. Women who took the misoprostol were more than twice as likely to experience hemorrhage as those who did not take it. And this was the exact opposite of the conclusion of the Crean and paper that the Center for Countering Digital Hate relied on that the Daily Beast gave to Google. And then Google said no more ads from pro-lifers telling women that they can save their babies if they change their mind after the first regimen of the abortion pill. Does that sound like science or politics? Does that sound like science or the raw exercise of political power? Do you see what I mean? It's all they have left because they know their entire political regime is beginning to crumble because the sacred cow of abortion is beginning to crumble as well. So back to YouTube owned by Google, just so you know where their priorities are at. Okay. Very important. So when I read this and you, and if you think, oh, that sounds reasonable, they're owned by Google that does not care two bleeps about the truth or the science. They care about shutting down political political dissidents who compromise their regime. In a thread shared on Twitter, the company explained its new position. Starting today and ramping up over the next few weeks, we will remove content that provides instructions for unsafe abortion methods or promotes false claims about abortion safety under our medical misinformation policies, they wrote. And and you go like, oh, well, that sounds reasonable, right? Like, we, we, yeah, we don't want videos telling women how to do at-home abortions or something like that. Like all of our policies on health and medical topics, we rely on published guidance from health authorities. Oh, who, who could that be? I think you know some of the names of major health authorities that, 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 that do anything but health. Uh, like the HHS, for example, that who, whose assistant director is a man who thinks he's a woman. There's health for you. That's the science. We prioritize connecting people to content from authoritative sources on health topics, and we continuously review our policies and products as real-world events unfold. We're also launching an information panel that provides viewers with context and information from local and global health authorities. There's that word again, health authorities. Who I wonder who that could be. Under abortion-related videos and above relevant search results. Okay, so here's a very interesting test. Okay, here's a very interesting test. Let's see if the next time Planned Parenthood, NARAL, the National Abortion Federation, or any other far-left organization's YouTube channel refers to an abortion as gently removing the pregnancy or gently removing the pregnancy tissue, let's see if they'll get flagged for abortion misinformation. There's your test. Let's see if the next time the accepted... abortion groups, the accepted narratives regarding abortion get said if they're allowed to remain on the platform or if they get a flag or a strike against their account. And, and this, this is the number one description of abortion on Planned Parenthood's website today. And that you'll hear repeated in the mainstream media, activist media, the Democrat Party, but I repeat myself, is that what? Abortion gently removes the pregnancy tissue. This is on Planned Parenthood's website, especially when you're talking about the first trimester. Folks, there's no such thing as pregnancy tissue. Pregnancy is not a thing. It's a condition. Conditions don't have tissue. Beings have tissue. So what is the tissue that you have when you're pregnant? Well, if you're um, a human being, then you're pregnant with another human being. So that's human tissue. Okay, pregnancy is not a thing, it's a condition. Conditions do not have tissue, so there's no such thing as pregnancy tissue. Oh, misinformation, disinformation. Are they going to get flagged for that? Is, is YouTube going to be flagging anytime that comment is made by a YouTuber or a, a pro-abortion organization's account? 
Something tells me not. I'd be happy to be proved false, but I'll put, uh, I don't know, everything I own on the fact that that's never going to happen. Now, my YouTube channel is going to get targeted. My content already has flags on it and context, 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 and pointing you to authoritative medical sources, right, which usually have connections to abortion uh, supporting organizations anyways. Okay, so, however, um, the left in the abortion industry is celebrating and taking credit for this YouTube decision. Check this out. A recent letter from pro-abortion groups was published urging YouTube to stop the spread of abortion misinformation, and the effort was spearheaded by abortion advocacy group called Ultraviolet. The letter was signed by nearly 200 abortion organizations, including Planned Parenthood, NARAL, and the National Abortion Federation, and they wasted no time taking credit for the move. Uh, Shauna Thomas, the co-founder of Ultraviolet, wrote this in a press release. Pregnant people, there you go again, lying, have always needed accurate information about sexual and reproductive health. And now with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, a disinformation epidemic must be prevented and stemmed immediately. Promoting untested theories about abortion across social media is not just unsafe, it's life-threatening. Right, so abortion is healthcare, but pro-life sources is life-threatening. Welcome to the la-la land of secular progressivism, folks. YouTube's decision to start removing abortion-related misinformation and linking to factual information is a critical step in protecting public health (laughs) and the people who seek answers and solutions to reproductive health options online. We applaud YouTube for listening to us, basically is what she said, for listening to the concerns of more than 70 healthcare providers who called on social media platforms to address abortion disinformation. There you go. They're taking credit for it right? So this decision from YouTube that is owned by Google that has already shown that they're willing to look past the science and public health in support of a political ideology is doing it once again by responding to demands from the abortion industry to shut down the voices of those that they don't like. While this is a significant improvement in how to address medical myths and disinformation on YouTube, more is needed (laughs) for both YouTube and Google. Criteria for abortion-related medical disinformation must extend to fake pregnancy centers right back to the top of the show and elizabeth warren is sharpening her um child sacrifice beheading acts as we speak and google must implement policies to protect user privacy data location tracking and more on both youtube and other g suite platforms isn't that interesting so not only did youtube respond to the demands of the abortion industry and not only is the abortion industry celebrating and clapping like seals but they're saying oh also we need to make sure we shut down pregnancy resource centers to fulfill our um <laughs> our indian warlord focahontas's desires and demands so given all of that and given the very recent um fast growth of my youtube channel Uh, I'm probably screwed, (laughs) but uh, hey, it was fun while it lasted, and we're going to keep posting, of course, but hey, will you go subscribe to my Rumble account? I'm actually not kidding. If you you want this show to continue remaining active, if you want the podcast continuing to reach people specifically on YouTube, which by the way, guys, in the last, since the beginning of the year, my YouTube channel has gone from like uh, 1,200 subscribers, like 1,200, to uh, pushing 14,000. Okay, and this is wonderful. People are getting exposed to content they're probably not going to hear anywhere else. Uh, you know how powerful of a voice I am at this at this Kairos moment, and I'm not slowing down. I'm speeding up. It's all hands on deck. This is the Kairos moment. This is one of the most politically propitious and significant years in American political history, and I know it, and I'm laying it all out on the field. 
help me <laughs> continue to reach these people, equip people, inspire, prick the conscience of the culture, awaken the church and the good people to action before it's too late. Go subscribe to my Rumble account. We're starting to post things there as well. I think it's just called Seth Gruber, um, and you'll find it, the unaborted podcast. Go subscribe to Rumble, please. Um, and we'll see how much longer my YouTube channel reaches as many people as it's reaching, which has been a, a real blessing. And because for this reason, the world is not cleanly split between radical pro-abortion activists and pro-life movement establishment activists. There are a ton of people who are on the fence, who don't know what they think, who are persuadable, and we need to reach them while we still can. So whether it's Liawatha, Focahontas, Aztec, Warlord, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Planned Parenthood, or Google and YouTube, the establishment is crumbling. The high places are caving in on themselves. The secular, liberal establishment is rending their garments and crying for Baal to pour down fire from heaven. And we should laugh at them and emulate the prophet Elijah by saying, and where is your God? Is he taking a dump on the toilet? What happened? Where did he go? You've got nothing, and you're right. If we can overturn Roe, we're coming for every other fake right that you have created in order to upend society, destroy children and families, and recreate it from the ashes. This is the beginning. This is the tidal wave. And we need to ride that for as long as we can, but we can only do so with your help and support. So have lots of babies, get married, celebrate the family, take back the culture, raise warriors in this moment because you're going to owe an account for them, to them for what you did or did not do in this most significant of American political seasons and years with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Thanks for joining the show today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Rumble. <laughs> Give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. We really appreciate it. If you want to learn more, see my speaking schedule, book me for an event, or sign up for my newsletter, go to SethGruber.com, or to become an ally of the White Rose Resistance to help me prick the collective conscience of the culture and awaken the church to action, go to thewhiterose.life, thewhiterose.life, become an ally of the White Rose. We have a lot of exciting content just for allies coming soon and help us build the premier organization as the response to the overturning of Roe to be a fly in the ointment, a pain in the ass, a stick in the eye to the abortion industry and their lackeys to create a resistance movement that will fundamentally alter the soul and the nature of this country while we still can. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Unaborted. <laughs>